Welcome to the MWC Church Podcast. This is Stephen Luna, the lead pastor. I just want to take a second to say thank you for listening, and I hope you find that this inspires you in your relationship with Christ. Now here's this week's sermon. Hey, I, I missed you guys last week. Uh, my, my wife and I were, were off celebrating. Um, we, we took a, a family vacation. And I don't know if, if anyone's ever traveled with uh, a bunch of three-year-olds, three and a, and a one-year-old, uh, but that's not really vacation. Can I get an amen from young families in this place? That's not really vacation. That's just like, that's just corralling cats nonstop, right? Like, like just, just making sure that no one's jumping into pools without any life jackets. That's just like, it's more stress than anything. So uh, after vacation, we need to take a vacation when you take three, three-year-olds. But uh, we, so we just called it family time. So we, we were gone uh, for, for some family time. Katie and I, we took uh, Aubrey, our newly adopted daughter, just happened a couple weeks ago. Um, De- yeah, whew, so excited. Uh, Desmond, our, our, he just turned two on Monday. Day, and then August, our awesome three-year-old. So it was, it was great. It was a really good time. We drove to Colorado Springs. Actually, we started off, we went to Branson for a pastor's conference, played two days of golf for free. It was awesome. I won a golf club, $500 golf club. I don't know what to do. Katie's like, you better sell that. I'm like, I don't know. If I, I don't know what to do. So just pray for me because I have no, I have no idea. I want it. I want it. I didn't buy it. I want it. Uh, favor of the Lord is here. Come on. Blessings all around. Um, pastor just, actually the staff just gets mad because I always win things. They're like, I'm just like, it's just, a, it's just anointing, guys. <laughs> like, what can I say? No, uh, so, so anyway, we went from Branson. We drove to Colorado Springs and saw, like, we asked our kids, what do you guys want, the beach or mountains? And Katie and I were like, please say beach, please say beach. We we're fasting and praying. And they're like, mountains. And we're like, all right, we'll go see mountains. So we, were, we drove seven ish hours. We got to the mountains, and uh, the kids woke up in the morning because we drove through the night. Their eyes were lit up. They were excited, but we went because we were celebrating. We were celebrating just so many things that God was doing. We adopted Aubrey. It was our wedding anniversary, May 14th. It was Katie's birthday, the 17th of May, and then Desi's birthday was the 26th of May. Like, there's just so much for us to celebrate, so we we were using it as a a means to celebrate all the things that God has been doing in our lives, and uh, something cool happened on our anniversary, May 14th. Um, NASA released a video giving me the greatest present anniversary gift I would have ever asked for. Uh, NASA made it a reality. I, I kind of want to show you this video. So, so just go ahead and watch the screens. What? Guys, that was like, like all of the sci-fi movies we've ever watched are no longer sci-fi. They're just sci. Like it's happening. We're going to the moon. We're not, we're not going. They're going to the moon. Uh, but he said we. So we're all going. They're going to colonize. I mean, there, there's pockets of water from all these discoveries they found. They're going to colonize. And it's, it's going to be incredible. Um, so like I, I'm a super nerd if you, haven't, if you can't tell. Like, like there was somebody yesterday wearing a NASA t-shirt. And I just hugged him a little longer. I'm like, thank you, friend. Thank you. Uh, this is amazing. This is amazing. Like all of our... All of, our, all of our sci-fi movies are happening, and uh, I, I, was, I was watching this video, and, and staff, like, uh, Jacob was the one who actually showed it to me. We are watching it, and, and I had, like, goosebumps. Like, I was just, like, super geeking out. I'm like, this is amazing. We're going to the moon. They, they went in 1969, or they faked it in 1969. Who knows what happens? Uh, but, but, but they went in 1969, and, and now we're going again, and, and we're going to stay. And, and if, you, if you watch the video, it's like, it's like five minutes long. I only showed you the first 45 seconds. They actually talk about how they're doing and what they're planning. They're going to build a, a, a module that's kind of like the International Space Station that revolves around, stays in orbit around the moon. And when the, the, the moon is at its furthest distance, they, they go to the furthest um, you can from, the, from, from Earth, and they're going to launch from that to Mars. Like, it's just so cool, like, what's happening. And, um, 
I couldn't help as I was watching this, just like, yeah, I had goosebumps. But there was like, there was a mixture of goosebumps and then just like uh, a, a level of jealousy set in. And I'm like, I want to go to the moon. <laughs> like, like, how cool would it be if I went to the moon and planted the first church on the moon? Like, we could call it Luna Church. Because that, <laughs> right? It's destiny. The Lord is like, like, that's my last name. That means moon. Like, I need to go there. So uh, I'll be the first one to plant a church. Actually, that'll be our first campus, our, our literal satellite campus. I'll go there and preach, and then we'll just get it here a couple days later. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's so exciting. It's so pumped. But I couldn't help but watch that and just, like, feel just a, a sense of, like, jealousy sitting over my life. Like, I'm like, man, I, I long for adventure. Like, I, I'd be a perfect astronaut. And I'm just, like, telling myself, like, this would, this would be so great. And I was just, like, feeling a little disappointed. Like, like man, and I, I, I want to go on adventure too. And, and the Holy Spirit in that moment kind of just like put a check in my spirit and it was like, you are on adventure, dummy. <laughs> you, you are on adventure. You, as, as a follower of, of Jesus, we together are on a mission. And, and I'm sorry, friend, but if you are bored or if you, like me, have moments of, man, this isn't enough, uh, I'm here to tell you that if you are bored with, with your Christian journey, it's, it's probably because you have drifted from the mission you've been given. God has given us a mission, and it's greater than going to the moon, I promise you. It's a, it's a, a mission that has eternal repercussions. And what is our mission? It's found in Matthew 28. I want to read this to you. Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The word there in the Greek nations is ethnos, and ethnos, it literally means all people. Go and make disciples of all people, of all nations, of all color, tribe, tongue, every, every single person. Go and reach them, not just a select few, not just Westerners, not just those who are living in Africa, but, but go make disciples everywhere of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We have a mission. When God saves you, he doesn't save you and set you on a pedestal and says, hey, just hang tight. Don't watch anything I wouldn't watch and just hang out here. I'm coming back a couple years later or when you die and I'm going to bring you to heaven. So just hang tight. God does not put you in some bubble wrap and say, hey, just hang out, all right? It's, it's going to be all right. Listen, when we get saved, we aren't just set aside. When we are saved, we are launched into mission. And it's not just those who can wear a, a cowboy thing on their ear, like a little mic. Like, it's for all of us. We are all on mission, not just people who hold mics or play guitars or who can exegete scripture passages. We are all on mission. And this isn't something for those who have been serving Jesus for more than a year. I mean, the moment you get saved, God is saying, all right, let's go and do this. But you may be saying to yourself, Lord, I am not qualified. I'm not smart enough, I'm not talented, I'm not gifted. Now, I do believe that those who, who take their mission serious, because that's all of us, will set out to be people who study and read. Listen, I was never a smart person. Some of you are like, you're not a smart person now. Don't say that, okay? Uh, I, I was never, I was never a, a, a studious individual until I got saved, because I didn't think grades were worthy of my time. But then when I realized that there is a mission Eternity, I started getting my nose in books and reading and studying and equipping myself. In fact, the Bible even says the same of Jesus, that in Luke chapter 2, it says that in Christ began to grow in stature and admonition before God and man. 
We all are on mission. We all have to study, but here's the thing. No, no amount of study will ever, ever replace what the Holy Spirit can do. Do I believe in study? Absolutely. Do I believe in higher education? Do I believe Christians should, should know and be literate and know the times and understand what is happening? Yes, we should be some of the smartest people on the earth. But let me just say this. Nothing can ever replace the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus understood that. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he specifically tells his disciples, he says this, don't leave Jerusalem, but stay and then he says this, you will receive power. The word there in the Greek is, is dynamos. It's literally the word we get dynamite, dynamic power. You will receive power to be my disciples. Or, or you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Have we reached the ends of the earth yet with the gospel of Jesus? No, we haven't. So then you tell me why that power is not available for us today. It is. If you are bored with the mission, the journey of life that you have been given, it's because you have drifted away from the mission of God. We need to tap back into that mission and say, Lord, I need that power. I need to reach my neighbor. I need to reach the school that I'm at. God, I, like, listen, students, this isn't just for, for those who are sitting in these chairs. I mean, as students, God has called you to reach your schools, to be fired up. So, uh, like, we all have been given mission to reach uh, WSU and the schools all around us. There is a mission that we are called to, and I pray that we long for the power that only God can give. This is why Isaiah 54, this passage that we've been studying and reading together, is our, our launch pad. Uh, I'm just going to use a bunch of NASA terms. Is our launch pad uh, for, for, this, for this series of going deeper, of receiving more from God. So let's go ahead and read Isaiah 54. Starts here. Uh, Isaiah is writing. He says, uh, rejoice, childless one, who did not give birth Burst into song and shout, you who have not been in labor, for the children of the forsaken one will be more, more than, so future tense, will be more than, future tense, than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. God is, is specifically using an a illustration here of the household saying that there's two women. There's one woman who, who has been living right and she's with her husband and she has children. And there's another woman who, who was forsaken, meaning she decided to leave her husband who has never been able to bear children. And God is saying, you Israel feel like that woman. You are physically an embodiment of this illustration. You are that woman. But I'm telling you something, the Lord is saying. I'm telling you something. Although you have been forsaken, although you have ran off with someone who isn't your husband and ignored him who is the Lord, uh, and because you have not bore children, there is coming a time where you will receive more than even that one. The Lord is saying, you have reason to rejoice. So start rejoicing now before you receive. It's, it's, it's a beautiful mandate. In this world, it makes sense for us to be people who rejoice after we receive. But God is saying here, rejoice before you receive. But here's the cool thing. God, in verse 2, is not just a God of emotion, a God of just dancing around and singing. He's that, he values that. That's important. But then verse 2 gives us the application, and he says this. So here's how we are to live. Here's what we're to do. These are the, the application steps for us. Enlarge the sight of your tent. 
Last couple weeks ago, we've said that this literally means to enlarge the size of our heart. We, we open up our heart. What does it mean to enlarge the sight? Well, you are making a room for more people to come in, and we should do this in our personal lives. We do this in the church. That's why we made that expansion over there and, and opened up the walls. We were enlarging the size of our tent so that we can bring more individuals in, make more room for children, more room for families. But we are to do this as individuals. How? By enlarging the size of our heart, by saying, God, give me a heart for the people that you love. Forgive me, Lord, for the times when I reduce people to political standpoints and, 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 and reduce them and keep them at arm's length because they don't look like me or talk like me or believe in the same ideologies as me. But Father, may I have a heart for them. May I embrace them, even in their falsehood, because that's how you embraced me. He didn't wait for you to make things right. He didn't wait for you to, to get a better uh, version of yourself. He didn't wait for you to, to ascribe to better tenets of truth. He, he said, I love you as you are, and, and as I embrace you, and as I move you along, I will lead you into all truth. So we love people where they are. We don't wait for them to get better. We see them the way God sees them. Amen? Amen. Because some of you are messed up, and you should have said amen to that the first time. All right. <laughs> Enlarge the side of your tent. Then he says this. Let your tent curtains be stretched out. We said that, that that's specifically saying throw a roof over the people. Uh, give them protection. Uh, uh, include them into your family. I mean, bring them in. Bring them in. And, and here's the thing. This is where we are this week. He says this. The third thing. It's not a, a way to build. It's a, it's a, a, a mindset. He says do not hold back. Do not hold back. I mean, look what he's, he, he gives specific architectural terms. He says, enlarge the side of your tent, stretch out the curtain. And now he's speaking specifically to the mind because this is a mind game. He says, do not hold back. Look to your neighbor and say, don't hold back. I'm talking about when you're going to Il Vicino, right? And, 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 the, and the server comes and she's like, how much cheese do you want on that salad? And she's grinding. Like, like, this is a literal thing that happens in my life. Katie's like, hey, don't embarrass me. I'm like, don't worry about it, babe. I got you. She comes, and then I'm just like, hey, ma'am, you, you may want to come bring your friend because I'm going to need a lot of cheese. Don't you dare hold back. So she brings her friend, and they're just both cranking, and pretty much I no longer have a salad. I just got a pile of cheese, Parmesan cheese and pepper on this thing and some greens on the bottom. Like, like this is the imagery that God is saying. He's like, listen, don't hold back. Spare no expense. Don't, don't you dare think that enough is enough because you got to understand the context of what's happening. Uh, Israel was currently living in exile. They, for 70 years, had no property to themselves. They, they didn't have a single belonging that was theirs. So, so they were literal slaves. They were exiles living in a land that wasn't their own. They were living among, amongst pagans. They were subject to the ruling authorities above them. And now God is speaking to them, saying, hey, now it's time to build. Well, if you ever study what happened during the Civil War, or right after the Civil War, right after the Emancipation Proclamation, when, when, when slaves were, were freed, and they're like, what, what, what do we do now? We, we've lived in bondage for so long. Now, now there's nothing, we, we don't know how to handle this. But here God is saying, because you gotta, you gotta ask themselves, when the Lord is saying enlarge the sight of their tent, they're like, I mean, how, how far do I, do I go a, a little further? How long, should I, how long should I stretch out this curtain? Just, just a little bit more, slightly more than what I was? And God is saying, don't hold back. Don't use your previous experiences to dictate what the future holds. 
And I believe that some of us, if we were to apply this to, to our here and now, some of us are still living our Christian lives with a poverty mindset of who we once were. We go into business ventures with, with this, this, this kind of timidity, like, like it's all up to us, it's all on, on our know-how, and it's our, our study of the trends and the times and marketing, and, and God is saying, listen, I'm the one who is leading you, I'm the one that is directing you, I'm the one that is guiding you, so you better not hold back, you better trust me. And I'm not saying we don't look at wisdom and we don't study trends and we don't look at any of those things. I'm saying all of that must be submitted under God where we trust him and we study and we know that he and he is foremost above all those things. Does God use wisdom? Does he use sound advice? Does he use philosophy? Does he? Yes, absolutely. He is the God of all truth. All truth belongs to him. But when he says something that sounds a little wrong, we still go forward because his word never returns void. He is trustworthy. In fact, we even know about this in Proverbs chapter 3. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, all of it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Meaning, don't, don't, don't lean on yourself, but trust in God. Put, put your faith in him. Put, your, put your, uh, your understanding in him. It says, in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Friends, I'm here to tell you that you and I are called to not hold back. There's a passage I want to read really quick in Acts chapter 2 where we see the Lord specifically talking about what we would experience today. Acts chapter 2 verse 17, he says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on, is it some people? On all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. You're like, Pastor, that's great, but all of this is predicated on the last days. When are the last days? Uh, they're now. In biblical history, the last days was a terminology that was used from the time the Messiah showed up to the time that he would uh, ascend back to the Father and come again and inaugurate his kingdom into completion. So we have been living in that. Jesus came and he died for our sins and he opened up a way for us to have access to the Father. But we are now living in the last days. We're not just holding out in our holy tents. Like we are waiting for our king to return. There is injustice happening around all around us and there is coming a day where the king will return and set everything right. Every wrong that you've ever seen, he will right it. There is nothing that he won't solve. But in that time period, from the time that he came the first time to the time he came again, we are living in this time known as the last days. And it's about time we start living like it. It's about time we start loving like it. It's about time that we start dreaming like it. That's why he says, your old men will Pull that passage back up. Look what he says. Your young men will see visions. Your, your old men will dream dreams. Young and old, male, female, we are all called to do things for the kingdom of God, but you are so caught up in what's happening in Instagram and, and what's happening in the NBA, and I'm about to watch the finals. You better believe it, but, but we get so caught up in these, in these things that are so meaningless, and we allow them to dictate how we live and, and what entertains us and where we put our eyes, but God is saying, you are on mission you got a calling. There is a plan that I have. From, from the beginning of time, I decided to select your name for a specific time and place. And it's not so that you can be put in billboards, but so it's that we can lift up the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says that when Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. So it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about a platform. It's not about how many influencers we can get or that blue check mark on Instagram or Twitter. It's, it's specifically saying, God, it's for you. 
It's for you. I need your power. I need your authority. I need your dynamos so that I can do more. And we need that. We need that. So what does the Lord say? Don't hold back. Don't you dare hold back. The world says to us to hedge our bets. It tells us to, to ladder our investments. The world says to always have a backup plan and then have a backup plan to that backup plan, right? The world tells us to get a spiritual prenuptial agreement with God. What does that mean? That's like specifically saying, God, if things don't work out, at least I still have these assets and you can have some of this. But you know what? The Lord says this. If we are to accomplish anything for him, if we're going to receive anything from him, we need to go all in. There is no halfway here or halfway there. We need to be individuals that understand that when Jesus, when we make him our Lord and Savior, he is just that Lord and Savior. That means he is master and Savior. That means he is the one who dictates what happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and yes, Sunday, but not just one day of the week. He is our everything. Friends, if we have these, I'm just imagining having spiritual chips on this table. We are literally called to say, God, I'm putting everything I am, all that I have, everything that I have ever received, every, uh, every bit of intellect that I've ever been given, every degree that I've earned, God, I'm, every, every dime and dollar that I have, it's, it's, it's going to the center of the table and it's in your possession. I'm all in. The Lord will not say, hey, God, he won't accept you saying, you know what, God, just have this on Sunday. It's all or nothing, friend. It's all or nothing, and, and we are living in a day and age where it's too easy for Christians to just hum and have a feel-good moment with God and walk away and act like that's all they're living on. It's all or nothing. The Lord says that I desire worshipers who will worship me in spirit and in truth. I'm here to tell you the truth. It's all or nothing. You cannot allow Jesus to sit on the sofa of your heart. It's a throne. There's room for one person, and it's got to be Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. It's all or nothing. If you want to accomplish big things, if you want to chase big dreams, if you want to have visions, well, they better be about Jesus because that's the only way they ever matter. Loving the people that God has died for, reaching those who are far from him. This is the mission we've been given. So really quick, I just want to bring three things, three ways, three areas in our lives that we may be guilty of holding back. Three ways that we may be capable of holding back that I just want to shed some light on this morning. The first one is this. When we reduce God to a once-a-week encounter. We've all been guilty of this. Where, where God is, is who we think about Saturday night. We're like, man, we should probably go to church tomorrow, right? High fives all around, family. We're doing this. All right, we're doing this. We go to church Sunday, and then on your drive back, you're already screaming at the kids. <laughs> Right, like, 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 like the, reducing God to a, a once a week encounter. Guys, we need to transform our faith, transform our understanding, realize that our faith is not something we do, it's who we are. We don't do church, we are the church. It's not something we just go and do, we, we are the church. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Luke 9, verse 32, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, and not just on Instagram, right? If any of you wants to be my follower, if you wanna, if you wanna be someone who, who's gonna be covered in the dust, who's gonna walk behind me and, and be super close to me, if you wanna be on the inside, God is saying, if you wanna be a part of my group, if you wanna be a part of my entourage, because God has one, if you wanna be a part of my Group, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way of living, of doing things, of understanding. You must give up your own uh, uh, lens, your own worldview, and take up your cross daily 
and follow me. It's all or nothing. Notice that it's not a, a cross we take up weekly. It's a cross we take up daily. And we follow after him. We, we allow him to set the pace. And you know what? Here's the beautiful thing. His pace is perfect. His pace is perfect. He's not going to outrun you. He's going to give you everything you need to walk in perfect tandem with him. God is good. God is good. So, man, one way we are guilty of holding back is, is when we say, God, you're... I'm reducing our relationship to a once a week thing. He desires all or nothing. In fact, I will say this. My life changed when I gave my life to Jesus. Absolutely. There is transformation happening instantly. In fact, when you give your life to Jesus, you are what we see in scripture. You are justified. God looks down from heaven and doesn't see you. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. The Bible says that God let him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So so literally what happens is that when God looks at you, when you accept Jesus into your life, he sees the perfected work of Jesus. He loves you, but now you are justified. But here's the thing. It's not a one and done thing. My relationship with God began to grow when I understood that if I worship him on Monday and Tuesday, and if I'm getting in his word on Wednesday and Thursday and spending time in his presence on Friday and Saturday, I can hear him much more clearly on Sunday. If you are someone that goes from church to church and just like, oh, this church doesn't feed me, and you ain't eating Monday through Saturday, homie, that's on you. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Jesus, I want you, I want you, I want you. I'm all in, I'm all in. Because here's what happens when you do that. When you go to church on Sunday, it's not all about how much can I consume, but it's all about how much can I give. The Bible says that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The reason why you are not refreshed is because you haven't refreshed anybody in a long time. We are called on mission, and we need to go all in. How do we go deeper? We're going all in. We're not holding back. The second way is, so the first one is, is when we reduce our relationship to God to a once a week encounter. But the second one is this delaying steps of faith. Uh, so one way I can illustrate this is, is Aubrey. She's awesome. She, I love this. She, I love my baby girl. But she is a, she's prissy. I, I, like, and my other boys, they're like, they're like uh, they punch each other all the time. I'm not even kidding. So sorry if, if August has hit your kid and, and, uh, <laughs> and he's, just, he's just rough. I don't know why. He just is. And uh, he gets it from Katie, I think. Um, <laughs> she beats me up. Guys, help. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, so, so August and Desi, they're just tough, and they're always, like, running into each other. Like, I got videos of them playing. Aubrey's just, like, in the corner, like, super sweet and cute, and, and Desi and August are just, like, tackling each other, punching, and uh, I love it. But uh, so, so we do something. We, we opened up the door, and, we, and we're not saying there's anything wrong with that. We want Aubrey to be who she is, but we want her to be a little tougher because she's got two brothers. She's going to cry a lot unless she toughens up. So we've been working a little bit and just slightly getting tougher. The, we can meet in the middle. The boys, you've got to be softer with your sister, but, but Aubrey, you've got to toughen up, girl, right? Because life's hard. So, so, so we started doing little things that she's capable of doing. So we, we open up the, the, the minivan we just purchased, and, and our kids hop out like little ducks, right? Like, like <laughs> Aubrey's terrified of that. That girl, like, unless she knows it's safe, she ain't jumping. Like, like she needs to know that there is going to be a, a, a pillow down there. She will not jump. So, so I, I give her my finger, and I say, Aubrey, you got to let go of the van, but you got to jump. Like, I'm not going to yank you because then I'll lose you, and then we just got you. Uh, so so I, I'm, I'm going to hold your finger, but you better believe nothing is going to happen to you. You can trust me. 
You can take this step of faith and know that nothing will happen to you. Now, I, I may not be holding you to the comfort level that you want, but, but I'm stronger than your comfort level, and, and, and my wisdom, my intellect is, is higher than yours, and you better trust and believe that, that if I say with just my finger I can protect you, I can do it. So I'm holding on to her finger, and I'm like, jump, and she's still holding on, and she's still holding on, and she's still holding on. She is delaying that step of faith, and then eventually she, she jumps, and she's like, oh, you were right. I'm like, I know I was right. right? Like, like, we do this with God all the time. He's trying to get us to, to go into a new place we've never been before, to jump from the comfort of where we currently are, to believe that on the other side, there is even greater things like that van. It's hot and it's muggy and it smells and, and there is a, a great place waiting for you for the, like the next step. And, and so often we're just like, oh God, we're so apprehensive. But one way we go all in is by saying, Lord, I, I trust you. I trust you, yes, by your right hand. By your outstretched arm, you will protect me. You will guide me. You will be before me. You will go behind me, God. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. The third way is this. When we avoid difficult lifestyle changes, we get saved. We're justified. But after that, we are on a process where the Lord refines us. Everybody say refine. The imagery that is given in scripture is that of of gold. Um, the, the, the way a blacksmith or a jeweler would work back then was, was that they would take a, a nugget of gold. I don't know if you've ever seen what gold looks like, but it's, it doesn't look like gold. It doesn't look like that gold ring that you're wearing. It's, it's literally just a, a rock. They, they would put that rock and they would throw it inside of a furnace and the furnace would, would heat up so hot that it would begin to liquefy. And this gold, inside of this gold, impurities would begin to rise to the surface. There'd be copper and zinc and, and different sediment and minerals that didn't belong. And the good jeweler would come in and scoop out all that is impure and set it aside. And then when this gold would harden and cool down, it would be this perfectly refined version of what it once was. Did it have that gold inside of it? Yes, but it had impurities. Friends, you and I, the moment we get saved, we are justified in the eyes of God, but we go through this process of refining where the Lord daily, daily, as we pick up our cross, as we submit to him and no longer follow our own understanding, our own wisdom, we say, God, I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours. It is a lovingly painful process where he begins to force us to act and do things that we normally wouldn't have done before, where he begins to draw to our attention saying, hey, you know what? You got, you got some anger issues. You need to work on that. Hey, you're not very submissive to authority. You need to work on that. Hey, you know, you got a mouth on you. You need to work on that. And God is refining us. And, and one way we say we're going all in is by saying, God, I'm going to let you do that in my life. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's a daily offering where we say, God, I'm yours. He says this, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship isn't just singing songs on a stage or sitting out there. Worship is daily saying, God, I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours. So look what he says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You wanna live different? You wanna think different? You need to offer yourself to Jesus on a daily basis. And it is a process that takes time, 
Friction, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. There is a refining process, a sharpening process, where we have to humble ourselves and say, yes, Lord, if we're gonna go all in, we need to be people who don't avoid difficult lifestyle changes. But why should we go all in? What's the benefit in going all in? You may be saying, Pastor, I love where my life is right now. Like, I appreciate what you're saying, but things ain't too bad. Things are pretty good. Things may be up on the up and up in your life, right? But let me tell you about our God. Listen, he doesn't call us to go or do things that he himself has not done. He doesn't say, I'm just gonna sit back and allow humanity to go all in. Now, God himself has already gone all in for you. When we read the Bible in Romans, Romans chapter eight says this, he who did not spare, meaning he who did not even hold back his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Friends, God has already gone all in for you. He's died on the cross for you. And I know you may feel like you're unworthy of that. You may be feeling like, listen, I appreciate that, but I I haven't messed up. I really don't deserve him to go all in anyway. The Bible tells us this, that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. No matter how good you've been living or how straight-laced you are of a person, Even the slightest of sin is enough to separate us from the holiness of God. But he died for you. He died for the vilest of sinners, whom Paul said, I am of foremost. I am the chief of them. God has died for us all. He has already gone all in. And my prayer is that MWC would be a church that is marked by individuals who are saying, we're going all in. We're not holding anything back. We're not sparing any expense. The mission that we've been called to, the plan that God has for our life, we are not holding back. We will allow him to refine us. We will submit ourselves to him, not just on Sundays in that hour of church, but we will submit ourselves to him on a daily basis. We're going all in. We're going to allow him to fill us with his joy, to fill us with his truth, to fill us with his wisdom. And and it's not just truth, wisdom, and intellect that we're pursuing, but, but you know what? We are also going to be people who understand we need the power of his Holy Spirit. We are going all in. The Bible says that it's not by flesh or by might, but by his Holy Spirit that we can accomplish anything and everything for our God. It is only by his strength, it is only by his strength that we can do anything. So if we can just stand in this place, I wanna just give us a moment to respond. I recently heard this story in history. In 1519, there was a a Spanish conquistador named Hernando Cortez who sailed to Cuba from Spain and was given the task to go and colonize South America. And if we can for a moment just uh, allow ourselves to not get caught up in the 
whatever you feel about colonization, but I, I want us to get a principle here. There was a point where Hernando Cortez had, had three or 600 men. He had 13 ships, and he was told to go and reach the Aztecs and the natives that were there who were, you know, uh, sacrificing people, 4,000 uh, a day is what the numbers, what the history tells us. 4,000 4, annually, just, just a, a horrific picture. They were good to go to that tip of what is now known as Mexico and colonize. <clears throat> it was a task that not many people wanted, but Hernando Cortez agreed and decided to go and and trust, and he and he he loved the Lord. I mean, you can go back and read his 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 journals and his and his diaries there. And he was always focused on reaching these people because, let's be honest, uh, the murder of thousands of innocents a year is not God's plan. So he they were going as missionaries, doing dirty work, hard work, and they and they were going there. And they arrived on the shore. There was over eight million Aztec warriors already there, waiting to meet them. They were on the distance, and Hernando Cortez can see them. And he looked back, and he saw his 600 men, himself included. They were all terrified. Hernando Cortez gives them the command. He says this, burn the ships. Burn the ships. Why? He's saying, we're not retreating. The odds may be stacked against us, but we are going all in. There is nowhere else for us to go. We have a mission. And if we can borrow from that illustration and apply it to our present day setting, we have an even greater mission. We have to reach the lost for Jesus. We have to get on our knees in prayer. We have to pursue the Lord. Listen, what we do every first Wednesday of a month is not just something to fill the time. We are praying for power, for the Lord to use us, to, for the Lord to do powerful and mighty things, not just in your in individual life, but, but in this church, in the lives of many, in, in our schools. God wants to change and transform this city, but it takes a people who are on mission because God won't do it without us. He could, but he has decided to use us. So I am saying, church, let us be people who say, we're burning the ships, we are going all in. God has already gone all in for us. He's displayed it on the cross. Can we be people who say, we're going all in? Let me pray over you. Father, thank you so much for all that you've done. Thank you for the life that you've given us. Lord, thank you for your salvation. Lord, if there is anybody under the sound of my voice who desires to say, Pastor, I am going all in, would you speak to them in this moment? I know you've been prompting them the entire time they've been here. Friend, I just want to have a moment. I want to give you to have, I want to get, allow you to have an opportunity with the Lord. But if you would admit and say, you know what, Pastor Steve, I I want to go all in. I'm not asking you to sign on the dotted line and become a member of the church. I'm, I'm specifically saying for you to just make that, that admission saying, Lord, I, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't want to lean on my own understanding. I want to follow after you. I want to go all in. I'm throwing my chips in the middle of the table and saying you have more than just Sunday. But I want to be yours completely. If that's your desire, would you go ahead and lift up your hand with every eye closed, every head bowed. Every, if that's your desire, would you just lift up your hand so I know who to pray for? 
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for those of us who have decided to say we're going all in. We're not living life alone. God, may you speak to every single one of us in this place. May we trust you on a daily basis. May you lead us and guide us. May you protect and propel us to do the things you've called us to do. Give us your dream. Give us your visions for our life, for this city, for our families, for our communities, for our schools. God, may you be the one who leads and directs every step of the way. We're following after you, Jesus. We love you. In God's name, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Can you thank the Lord? Thank you, God. Friends, let's worship him together. And that wraps up today's message. But we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.